When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. It's Monday, July 25th, and this is your host, Eric Steven. Um, thanks for hanging with me. I missed a couple days last week. Hope you enjoyed the interview on Friday with Eric Adams about his grandfather, uh, former Dodgers pitching coach Red Adams. What a wonderful baseball life. I really enjoyed that interview and the book. Hope you enjoyed the interview uh, and will enjoy the book as well. Um, <clears throat> now we're back. Uh, the Dodgers uh, are back uh, to the schedule after last week's festivities. You know, Dodger Stadium was sort of the centerpiece of baseball last week. They had all the All-Star festivities last week. You know, they had Home Run Derby. They had the All-Star game. You had Clayton Kershaw getting his moment to start uh, the All-Star game finally. Um, that was really cool. Uh, there was a lot of neat things just in general uh, around the All-Star game. But once again, uh, once the things sort of started back up again, the Dodgers sort of picked up uh, right where they left off going into the break. They're just on fire right now. Uh, they swept the Giants um, in four games. Uh, it's continuing. So, so far this year, the Dodgers and Giants have played nine times. The home team has won all nine games. Six of those in Los Angeles, three of those in San Francisco. Uh, the Dodgers swept the Giants uh, in four games uh, for the first time since 1995. Um, and I thought for a second it was just the Dodger Stadium, but like um, they haven't swept a four-game series in San Francisco since sometime in the 70s. I don't have it in front of me. Um, Sarah Langs at um, MLB.com tweeted that um, the Dodgers, since that 95 sweep, um, had played 20, this was their 26th series of at least four games, or of four games. And uh, it was the first time since then that they swept. It, 
you know, a four-game sweep is a four-game sweep. You take it no matter uh, how you get it. But it was kind of a weird series. Like, I'm hesitant to say dominant, although they at times they, they did look dominant over the Giants. But, like, they're clear, clearly better. Um, but um, there were just weird parts in, in each game. Like, Thursday, uh, the Dodgers led 5 nothing, And then San Francisco, like, all of a sudden tied it in the seventh. They took the lead in the eighth. Then in the bottom of the inning, the Dodgers tied it. They scratched across a run, and then Mookie Betts hit a three-run shot to win it. Um, on Friday, it's a 1-1 game in the bottom of the eighth. Again, it's a tie game. Cody Bellinger fell behind 0-2. Uh, I tweeted out that this was a spot where the you know Dodgers could have used an extra player, could use an extra player from the trade deadline, someone that Dave Roberts might actually use to pinch hit for Cody Bellinger in a situation like this. He was facing lefty Sammy Long. Um, literally seconds later, Cody Bellinger hit a grand slam. It was really funny, the timing of it. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, just in general, what I was going for with that tweet. But, um, Saturday was probably the cruisiest game of them all. Uh, Julio Urias was pretty good. Six scoreless innings. His fastball was up about two ticks, uh, looking really good. Um, they cruised until the ninth. It was four, nothing. And then Reyes Maranta walked two, So they took him out all with, all with two outs. And then David Price gave up two hits to score the bequeathed runs and then finally got the last out. So he's the seventh Dodger with a save this year. Um, the Dodgers got home runs from the top three in the order. They won that game. And then <laughs> Sunday, Kershaw couldn't get through five. Um, the Giants actually led twice in this series, once Thursday and then once on Sunday. Both times the Dodgers immediately retook the lead in the bottom half of the inning. The Dodgers ended up rallying in the seventh they hit three doubles in the inning uh, to win 7-4, to four. so it was the third time in four games they were tied late and uh, had a late comeback to win it. The Dodgers have now won eight straight. They've won 19 out of 21. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more uh, where they're at, you know, just generally, and, and then uh, more about the, the my trade deadline comments and all that after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So the Dodgers are now uh, 64 and 30 uh, as of Monday morning. Uh, they have the best winning percentage in Major League Baseball, uh, a hair ahead of the Yankees who've played a few more games. Uh, the Dodgers are on pace for 110 wins uh, after setting franchise records uh, in 2019 and 2021 with 106 wins. Since the start of uh, 2019, the Dodgers have actually won more than two thirds of their games in the regular season. Uh, it's kind of wild, like. I, I was wondering, like, what ex how good is that, like, generally? Uh, how does that stack up? And I, uh, so if you go back, you can use a span finder on um, Baseball Reference, just a wonderful play index tool. 
Um, it's the best stretch of any MLB t- uh, team in that many games, 478 games. I know it's a weird number, but like it's just what the Dodgers have played since the beginning of 2019. It's the best MLB stretch since the St. Louis Cardinals from like some, uh, depends on that there's some, a couple like overlapping stretches, but it's basically 1942 to 1945. So we're talking like best stretch in almost 80 years uh, in Major League Baseball, like just, just this run. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're playing really well. Um, they're up uh, on the Padres by 11 and a half games in the division. They lead the number two seed Mets by six games. They lead the number three seed Brewers. If you're talking about like um, earning a a buy through to the division series, so they lead the Brewers by 12 games. They are in by all definition very very good shape. However, I still think they should add at the trade deadline, and it's not out of like you know glaring uh, open festering wound need like uh, certain times last year where they just they had some obvious holes they needed to fix. This year it's a little more nuanced, uh, but I th- still think they could use some upgrades. Um, so some of that is internal, right? Like you, they could very well um, get the band back together, as it were. Chris Taylor uh, has a fracture in his foot. Not, I don't think he's running yet. He might start a rehab assignment uh, this coming weekend, which sort of, you know, means he could be activated at some point a little bit after that, but. You know, we'll see. They're kind of playing, doing wait and see on him. Uh, Edwin Rios is still t- uh, TBD. He's on the 60-day IL, so he, he cannot return earlier than August 2nd, but that's actually coming up a little more than a week. Uh, and you figure, since we haven't heard much from him, it's, it might be likely longer. Um, he has, you know, the torn hamstring. It, it heals when it heals, I guess. Uh, we just haven't heard much about what he's doing. So, um but yeah, he, he might also not be far off. But he's he's sort of a question mark at this point. And then you have Justin Turner, more of a short-term thing. Uh, he left Thursday's game with abdominal tightness, and then he didn't play the last three games of the series against the Giants. So Monday today will be the likely like sort of decision day for him. If they can backdate a IL stint up to three days, so like uh, putting him on the IL Monday is the same as putting him on IL Friday and if they if they wanted him to miss like the minimum 10 games or whatever so if they're if they're doing like the risk calculation they've already been without him for three games um how long do you want to go with a shorter bench by keeping him active versus having another option up and it's really the the situation of like as we see a lot um with several questions like do you do you bench Muncie do you um, bench Bellinger a little more often, but then the the other issue is like who exactly are you replacing them with? That's that's the issue. So you have to think about that. I'll, I'll get to Turner specifically in a second, but just generally, it, just looking at the Dodgers sort of position player group as a whole, if uh, everyone returns, um, the Dodgers bench looks great because uh, you just move everyone down um, a little bit. It's 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 a lot deeper than it was last year. But it also assumes no injuries, and I think, as we saw last year, that's I don't think that's feasible. Um, you just never know when you're gonna something's gonna pop up, um, you know, with with this group. Um, it's just I don't think you can sort of plan for no injuries. I guess the other issue is on the current bench, uh, Zach McKinstry uh, is sort of the the forgotten man. Um, the Dodgers, the MLB rules uh, have a 13 pitcher limit now, so you have to have 13 position players and, uh, and 13 pitchers. I mean, you could have um, more position players, but you can't have more than 13 pitchers. So 
The Dodgers have essentially been playing with 12 position players because they just don't play McKinstry. Um, He's been active for 33 games this season through a few stints in the majors, and he's only played in eight games. He started once. He's batted eight times. So, yeah, he's kind of like just there on the bench but not really playing. And I think that's why one of the reasons I think um, adding someone at least gives Dave Roberts someone he might use in some situation. It doesn't have to be like a – uh, an everyday starter coming in, um, you know, taking playing time away. It just could be someone they use occasionally. And, um, you know, who knows? I just think it alleviates things, especially late in games, and, and that kind of thing could matter in October if it, it gets to that. But, you know, and if you st- even if you add someone, then you still get everyone back. Like, that's the better problem to have is figuring out, sorting out playing time, having to scramble to, uh, rather than having to, like, scramble to actually fill a spot like – because you can't trade for anybody after August 2nd, so it's either whoever's in your minors or picking up some, like, released person off the scrap heap or something like that. So, yeah, it's rough. Uh, it, it, so, I think I think they're get, they, they should add someone on the position player side. I wrote about it over the weekend. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, back to Justin Turner for a second, because uh, not talking about the trade deadline. I do think um, if he goes on the injury list, I think this would be an actually great time to add Miguel Vargas for his major league debut, um, the, the Dodgers uh, specifically this week they're likely to face three left-handed pitchers. Um, he's a right-handed hitter. Uh, the they're playing a terrible Nationals team. Uh, then they go four games in Coors Field. Um, like you saw, like where the Dodgers are at standings-wise, they it's they're not calling him up and be like, "Man, we really need you here." It, it's not a high-pressure thing, other than like the actual pressure of being in the majors. But the, and the Dodgers don't need Vargas, but it's a situation where, you know, this could pan out. He doesn't necessarily have to play like third. You could just put him at, at DH a couple games with Muncie at third, or you could, you can even like if you had to, like he's been playing left. Like he, if they feel comfortable with him in certain spots, like I, I think it would be a right situation to get some at bats and at least get the experience, even if it doesn't work. But having said that, I still think by next week, I think they also should should trade for someone um, uh, as well, because I just think the more the merrier. But um, <laughs> speaking of trades, uh, I guess the, the more the merrier part uh, has a wrinkle in that Juan Soto is going to be someone every single person in baseball is talking about uh, through August 2nd, the trade deadline. But especially so this week because uh, the Nationals are in town to play the Dodgers. Uh, Juan Soto was just in L.A. last week for All-Star festivities. He took part in Home Run Derby. He won Home Run Derby. Uh, Dodger Stadium fans were chanting future Dodger at him. He, he noticed, I think Dave Roberts pointed out that you couldn't help but notice uh, today. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, obviously, Soto would be a luxury item, right, for the Dodgers, not someone they absolutely have to add but you kind of look at it like what what exactly how rare is it for someone like him to get traded he's only 23 he's already ridiculously accomplished at his age he has a so he has a 159 ops plus and he's over 2,000 plate appearances already in his career uh just getting someone to like bat that often like you know he's been a regular for that long that young that's rare in itself but his production like only four players or higher uh, through his age 23 season than soto it's it's wild I think it's just super rare to have someone this good, this young, and to be available. I was I'm looking through like old comps, right? Like it's really hard to find players this good who who are available this early. Um, now, obviously, the old days were different because players didn't have agency, but like this young, 
um, it, in today's system, they don't really have agency either. So, like, you know, it kind of evens out a little bit. But you look, so Babe Ruth was 24 when he was traded. Uh, Miguel Cabrera was 24 when he was traded from the Marlins to the Tigers. Um, the the wild card that I thought was kind of funny, uh, Sam Crawford comes up in this. He, he was... His OPS plus was like in the 140s through his age 23 year. Uh, he actually was, um, he switched teams when he was 22. This was in 1902, after the 1902 season. Uh, baseball references is how they describe it. Uh, Crawford jumped his contract with the Reds to sign with the Tigers. Uh, in a, And I'm adding this as a, uh, just a note, in the in the upstart American League. This was very, it was like the, the third year of existence for the American League. Um and so there were like a number of players who did that that year. They signed, um, some signed like contracts with each team and then tried to figure it out. Um, and then Crawford did end up, I think, I'm not sure exactly how it all played out, but Crawford did end up with the Tigers and then finished off his Hall of Fame career there with, you know, two decades of excellent play. Uh, he's the all-time triples leader in Major League Baseball. But yeah, I, that, that sort of jumped out as me as something really funny um, in terms of someone switching teams that young, uh, you know, in his career and that good. Uh, but also he had, again, he had agency in the matter uh, because it was his choice and not getting traded. Now, the advantage of Soto, even if it, it's going to cost, right? It's going to cost you a lot. Like, you know, there's been all sorts of rumors, right? I think the point, like, nobody's going to be happy with, um, who the Dodgers have to trade away. But then again, you're also getting Juan Soto. So, like, it, it's one of those things. He is so rare in that he's this good this early. Like, th- there's at least, you at least are w- willing to listen uh, to that. The What you get with him it, by doing it now, rather than, like, this offseason, you'd get three postseason runs, right? Last year looking for, like, they clearly got Max Scherzer for last season. He was a pending free agent. They absolutely needed starting pitching. They tacked on Trey Turner to the deal um, and tacked on strong word. Like, he was a part of the deal because that's how it worked out. But, like, obviously for last year's run and this year's run, like, they, it's like a, a, a help you now, also forward-thinking type move. Um, and I think that's that's what you have to sort of consider when you're at least thinking about dealing uh, for Soto. Again, luxury item. Dodgers not going to be desperate. Um, but I'm sure they'll listen and – you know, it's like the last two like big ticket items they got right. Mookie Betts they signed because or they traded for because um, the Red Sox weren't going to sign him, and so the Dodgers are like, well, how rare is someone like Mookie Betts uh, becoming available? Like someone that good, right? Like uh, a top two, uh, maybe top five at worst player in his across baseball at the time over his career. Um, like you, you pounce when these people become available. Now Soto's not not the all around talent, but like in terms of just hitting, like uh, you know, I think Mike Petriello's written about this. A bunch of people have written about this. He's basically Ted Williams, and, and it's not hyperbole to say that. I know it sounds like it is, but it's really not. So I think I think they and then Freddie Freeman was the other one with the Dodgers. I'm I'm rambling here. I'm sorry, but you know. He was he was clearly going to resign with the Braves. He wanted to. The Braves wanted him, and then it just didn't work out. And then once he became available, Dodgers pounced. Right. So if if it's a situation where they're you know I can't they might not get into like a bidding war where they overpay. But they're going to pay something. But like 
you could see a situation where they're like, look, the Nationals are clearly, you know, they're trying to sell the team. They're probably streamlining things. You probably have to take take on, like, Patrick Corbin's contract or something. They're one of the few teams that can do that. So, like, um, if the deal's right for them, you could see a situation where they pounce. I don't think it's necessarily likely, but it's, it's certainly something to keep in the back of your mind. But, yeah, so think about that uh, the next uh, three days when Juan Soto bats his 12 times or however many in this series. And looking forward to Dodgers National, see if the Dodgers can extend their winning streak. But um, uh, happy week, everybody. Uh, happy Monday, I guess. Um, we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>